shock the system. Welcome to Dank Discussions with your host, Calican CEO, Maynard Breslow. In each episode, you'll learn from the trailblazers, leaders, entrepreneurs, and influencers in the ever-moving, ever-growing cannabis industry. We at Calican are passionate about cannabis and CBD marketing, branding, SEO content, and web design. If you are a cannabis owner and you know you need an uptick in business or an upgrade in the way your customers perceive you, come check us out at calican.com and schedule a time to speak with us today. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Dank Discussions. Today, we're joined by Steve Makeley. Steve is the Vice President of Capital Markets at Lineage Merchant Partners. Thanks for joining us today, Steve. Thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, no, pleasure's all mine. Appreciate it. Uh, you know, I already had a great schmooze on the phone uh, and uh, really excited for this Dank Discussion. We're going to be talking about a lot of great stuff, talking about you, your background, obviously, Lineage Merchant Partners, um, the great stuff you're doing, but also talking about cannabis can- uh, capital markets, right? Debt, equity, MA landscape. We'll get into all these fun uh, technical terms. And of course, market specific cannabis regulations. So, uh, a lot of cool stuff um, to cover here. And I guess, as I always say, let's start it off easy. Where, uh, let our listeners know where you're based out today. Yeah, sure thing. I'm based out here in uh, Los Angeles, in Manhattan Beach. LA, baby. Hell yeah. Okay, cool. So yeah. sweet. Um, you know, so talk to me a little bit about then, you know, as well as, you know, your background um you know history with cannabis and and what led up to lineage and being here in the cannabis market yeah no certainly and it's uh once again you know good to join uh, a little background on myself and sort of my involvement in, in inside and outside of the cannabis space over the years you know i had spent my time uh in traditional finance um having been with a, a large institutional wealth manager um uh, out in San Diego uh, um, back in the day. And so, uh, you know, we were focused on, you know, providing, um, you know, traditional wealth management services to individuals and families and small businesses in the area. And so, um, you know, having been working in traditional finance for a number of years uh, between, you know, uh, wealth management, buy side advisory and M&A consulting, um, as well as investment banking, you know, it kind of brought me up here to uh, to LA. I'm, I'm originally from the East Coast, and I spent a lot of time out in the East Coast. Um, so you know, understanding different markets and sort of people, right? Um, and uh, you know how how I entered the the cannabis industry was I was working with uh, you know a number of um, you know family offices and private equity firms and helping them you know target new new platform and add-on acquisitions in more traditional industries such as you know healthcare and technology and sort of consumer services, consumer products, um, you know, that sort of thing. And, um, you know, I had actually met a colleague that was in the cannabis space for some time, having previously worked with an investment bank uh, that was setting up a lot of data and analytics uh, sort of work as well as research in the cannabis space. So, you know, we had, um, we had a number of discussions and, you know, it, it, was, a, it was a great fit to join uh, this investment bank that was located here in Los Angeles focus uh, exclusively on providing traditional investment banking services to cannabis companies. Um, and so, you know, I've sort of been in, in involved uh, in the cannabis space now for about three and a half years since, you know, mid-2019. And, um, you know, a little bit about lineage, you know, we're, we're an investment bank uh, focused on the cannabis space once again. Um, you know, we started the firm uh, 
you know, I'd say early 2021, um, you know, with the focus of providing, again, you know, investment banking services to publicly traded and privately held cannabis companies uh, globally. You know, I would say most of our focus as of recently would be with, uh, you know, call it U.S. Uh, licensed plant touching operators uh, in mostly limited licensed markets or medical markets turning recreational. Um, but, uh, you know, we've done, we, we've done a lot of work in the space. You know, we, we provide capital markets work, uh, M&A advisory work, uh, as well as just general strategic advisory work uh, for cannabis companies, which include valuation, um, you know, uh, sort of work, uh, presentation materials, that sort of thing. Um, and so, you know, that's our core business. You know, we also invest ourselves. We look for, you know, interesting opportunities in cannabis that we can capitalize on and, and sort of partner with. Uh, to drive, you know, the industry, um, uh, both, both at the enterprise level and asset level. And um, so, you know, that's that's tertiary to our, our core service model, but uh, we, we do look at opportunities in the space. So so that's a little background about us. You know, we've raised oh, just over 300 million bucks in transactions across uh, debt and equity capital markets, as well as M&A uh, over the last 18 months. Um, and uh, I'd say, you know, we have offices between Los Angeles, Philadelphia, and New York. So we cover a lot across the U.S. market. Amazing. Yeah, you know, obviously, you know, when we talk, uh, anytime we talk to anybody, no matter how big or small, um, you know, any cannabis company we talk to, right, one of the main problems that comes up, obviously, is, you know, banking, you know, payment processing and funding. You know, these are the kind of things that I think the, the biggest challenge is, obviously, because it's even though, okay, cool, it's legal here, this state, that state, right? It's it's still a matter of, it's not fairly legal. So we're not able to get the funding, you know, the banks are all scared to go in, you know, it's it's non-traditional and everybody looks at us as, you know, as if we're selling guns or whatever is going on, right? This is a uh, different thing. So, I mean, how, how do you help companies that maybe obviously we can talk about MSOs and and the big companies, what can a company that's maybe a little bit smaller than that, you know, how can they go about coming and, you know, uh, securing funding and, and being able to, to get something that uh, is going to help them get a, you know, be successful in the long term? Yeah. So, you know, taking a step back and just to address your comment, Maynard, you know, you, you made a good comment about the lack of capital markets um, access as well as banking services uh, that are available to cannabis companies. Um, in general, right? It's not federally legal, right? And so um, that presents a lot of challenges and difficulties for cannabis companies to, um, you know, create and and um, uh, use cash accounts, use depository accounts, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just as you and I would at, at a traditional bank, you know, Wells Fargo, Citibank, or et cetera. And so, um, you know, not to mention, you know, added fees on top of that. It's more expensive for cannabis yeah. companies and for credit unions and those that, that do handle yeah. you know, cannabis companies. Um, you know, it's, it's an extra cost added. So, you know, just to address your question, how do smaller cannabis companies, you know, uh, raise capital as opposed to, you know, say, say more of the larger multi-state operators or single state operators um, in the cannabis space? And I would say, you know, we're very involved with a number of uh, you know, either licensed winners or applicants in a variety of markets um, that are either applying or, or winning conditional and provisional licenses. And so these, these sorts of groups, you know, either have experience inside of cannabis and or outside of cannabis. Um, 
you know, we look for, uh, you know, operators um, that have some sort of operational experience, right? You want to become, if you're going to be an operator in cannabis, you want to have some sort of background either in cannabis or some sort of adjacent industry, such as, you know, consumer product goods. Um, you know, if you're, if you're running technology companies, you know, technology, right? It's, it's very difficult to operate in cannabis. Um, so, you know, I, I, I sort of address this from our standpoint as bankers slash investors in, in, in the sense that we look for first and foremost, good people in cannabis that can operate businesses, mm-hmm. right? Um, trustful people that, um, you know, we have, and we believe have the wherewithal to operate a business. Um, at the same time, you know, these, uh, these smaller operators, um, you know, they, uh, I would say there's, um, an asset asset base is is very important when assessing opportunities as well in the cannabis space and sort of operating right. You want to try and own your assets and your supply chain at the end of the day. Um, you know, I would say it's much easier raising capital when you have collateral base, especially on the private credit end, right? Uh, when you have something something to collateralize the asset or the the loan by, um, such as equipment, you know, property, um, you know, other hard assets that that have some some tangible value behind it, um, and so you know it's it's much easier for smaller companies like that than to raise you know a portion of debt perhaps, um, and and once you have money in the door, you know that attracts other investors to then hop on board and say, okay, this this yeah. is an, investment, an opportunity that um, you know is attractive. You have others that believe in in, in the people and as well as the business, um, and so you know we're going to go go ahead and participate. Um, and whether it's, you know, equity dollars or debt dollars, um, you know, I think there's opportunity for both. Um, and so I think for provisional and conditional license winners in a, in a, in a variety of markets, like I had mentioned, um, that I just won recently, I would say, you know, it, it's, it's a tough environment, but it's definitely possible to raise the equity dollars needed to, to build out your operations. Uh, you know, <laughs> nothing, nothing in the cannabis industry, um, you know, is cheap, right? So, um, you know, it takes it takes a lot of uh, time, effort, and dedication for the management teams as well as external resources to 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 raise this capital. So, um, so yeah. And you bring a couple of things up there as well. You know, in terms of um, being able to manage um, businesses and everything. You know, it's it's funny, right? You know, I, I've been in the in the industry legacy. You know, I guess in and out for twenty years, right? And so I kind of had this viewpoint from there. And you know, you hear these kind of like passion topics and this passion arguments right where like legacy people they say oh my gosh like corporate cannabis they don't know anything about cannabis and then people come in you know from corporate cannabis you know maybe newer to the industry they're like oh come on what do you guys know about running a business right kind of thing and it's like kind of these arguments that go on when ultimately you know my belief is hey you can you can come in new there's no problem you know it's just about integrity it's just about you know passion for the plant or trying to do right by the industry everything like that and the same thing around the other side it's like you know why do we have to do the same things we were doing 40 years ago 30 years ago right so so that brings up a good question you know you mentioned how to assess um you know business owner and and um, their ability to manage that business you know i think a lot of people who are coming from legacy obviously we had to keep our head under the water right we had to uh, to really not we had to hide we couldn't be out there doing all this kind of stuff. And as a result, we were not maybe so privy as to how run the businesses, right? So, and then the other side, right? You have 
the uh, from the commercial cannabis, corporate cannabis people who have know how to run businesses, but maybe never, you know, sometimes even touched the plant or been around it, you know, in, in some cases, right? So, you know, how do you assess that talent then on that on that end, right? In terms of here's somebody who you know, maybe a grower and knows how to do that, but what do you know about running a business, right? How can you be full vertical if this is all you've done the whole time, right? And then the other side, you know, uh, somebody who's, who's been successful in so many markets, but you've seen already, right, how many companies have came, came in and for one reason or another, they weren't as successful as, as their evaluation. So uh, kind of how, go a little bit deeper into how you can assess that in those kind of uh, extreme cases. Sure thing. You know, we, we appreciate all the reasons that anybody or any entity enters the cannabis industry, whether you're, you know, a legacy player or you have, um, you know, you or, or someone you, you know has a medical condition. That's oftentimes a, uh, a very common occurrence for, for folks entering into cannabis. And so they're looking for ailments and other, other sort of solutions um, that can replace traditional pharmaceutical drugs. Um, you know, as a means of, of, of cures, right, as, uh, for diseases and, and other illnesses. And so, you know, you touched on the black market a bit. I'll talk about that um, in just a second. And, you know, just to back up a minute, you know, the cannabis industry as a whole is, you know, projected, call it 25 to $30 billion um, in annual sales, um, you know, really this year and next. Um, that's, you know, fluctuating based on, you know, macroeconomic conditions and, it's, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, this, this industry is expected to be, you know, call it a, a give or take a $60 billion industry by 2026 or $50 billion industry by 2025, which is, you know, a, a, a very fast paced um, growing industry um, yeah. now and in the future. I, I say that because the black market is estimated to be you know, three to four times the legal market. Meaning if California is producing, you know, call it, gosh, you know, five, five, even five, $10 billion in annual sales, whether it's this year or in the future, you know, you can anticipate the black market being three to four times larger than, you know, what you're producing in California. And that goes for any other state um, that goes for any other, um, sort of even country, right? If you're talking about it on an international basis. So there is still, you know, a large black market presence. Um, and, you know, we can obviously discuss some of the challenges um, and perhaps solutions, you know, as it relates to that. But, you know, what we assess when we look for companies and, and the people behind it, once again, Maynard, is, you know, people that we like and trust. I think that's first and mm. foremost cannabis. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of bad actors, um, not only in cannabis, but other adjacent industries, right, that we've, you know, sort of come across. Um, and, you know, you have to be careful uh, at the end of the day. <clears throat> what I, I, I say that because, you know, oftentimes cannabis companies uh, need to be aware of the regulations and rules within their, um, you know, at the federal level, at the state level, at the local level. And, you know, when you have bad practices that you're not aware of, Right, then that creates other internal issues that honestly are very avoidable in, in most circumstances. Uh -huh. Right, so um, so we look for people that we like and trust. We also look for people that have operational, you know, successful uh, operational experience in in, in scaling uh, either cannabis companies or other adjacent industries. Again, you know, in, in mostly consumer product goods, um, other packaged products. Um, you know, again, in the healthcare fields. Um, 
you know, those are all those are all industries we sort of tie in to an extent in cannabis um, to ensure that they have the wherewithal and sort of the operational knowledge of scaling and building these cannabis companies, right? Um, I would say, you know, lastly, um, you know, you have to build a team around you that's going to make your, your company successful, right? That goes for any, any company. And, you know, it starts with management. It starts with the CEO. You have to have a, a very, you know, good CFO and, uh, you know, chief marketing officer. Um, I'd say, you know, key components are CFO, CEO, uh, chief marketing officer, perhaps a chief development officer or some sort of business development uh, role or capacity within your firm to drive, you know, sales within the firm initially. Um, but, you know, a tertiary to that, uh, again, you know, depending on who you are in cannabis, right? If you're a plant touching operator, you're going to have, you know, head of cultivation, director of cultivation. Um, if you're a manufacturer, you might have chefs, right? Whether they're chefs on the edibles front um, or uh, perhaps other, you know, uh, personnel that um, is there to and responsible to extract products, right? Um, uh, and, you know, uh, whether it's, um, you know, on the manufacturing side. Uh, same thing with distribution, you need a sales team. So these are all things that, you know, you have to think about when formulating a cannabis company. Do you have the proper people and components in place uh, to drive the business successfully and scale it successfully in the first two years? Um, you know, I, I, like to, I, I like to use a, a Kevin O'Leary line, uh, you know, when, when, you haven't, when you haven't made any sales within three years of business, you got to take it in the back and shoot it. And it's like, you know, <laughs> you got to, it's funny to think about because some of these companies have been around for so long and the, and the market has been, the market has, uh, it's become a lot more competitive in, in, right. in, in the marketplace, right? So you have to differentiate yourself as well. Um, and that comes from the people. Yeah, and no, I love that, you know, trust, I think, like you said, you know, it's, it's such a great industry, such a great place to be. It's really, you know, you find such genuine people here, you know, people that, you know, want to hang out with and, and all that fun stuff. But like you said, there's also, you know, unfortunately, the other side, right, a lot of ego, a lot of uh, fake players and, and people who are uh, make believe and pretending and people who just come in here to, to run scams and it attracts all kinds of different kinds of characters, right? So I love that there, you know, in terms of trust and, and doing that and, and, you know, I talk about legacy, but also been, uh, you know, in tech for a long time, you know, during the, uh, the app boom and all that fun stuff of the early to mid 2010s. And, um, you know, I remember uh, one of our investors and, and mentors talking about, you know, people, they don't invest in ideas, they invest in people, they invest in teams. You know, they invest because they're also humans and have emotions and, you know, and, and so it's, it's interesting, right? But it's also funny, right, you know, in terms of tech, uh, with Kevin O'Leary, that line that you said, where it's so many tech companies are still not profitable after all this time, right? And they're just kind of uh, cannibalizing each other, you know, but uh, they still seem to stick around. But like you said, cannabis is uh, quickly evolving and it's not like it was in 2018, 2019, where there was that green rush and everybody thought, hey, we're just going to come over here and print money, right? So, um, but, but obviously people are still doing very well. I guess, you know, on that vein too, you know, it's a topic that comes up a lot on the show. Since I have you here, I don't expect you to, you know, have the be all answer, but, you know, something that comes up a lot is social equity stuff, right? You know, and you mentioned, um, you know, license winner and stuff like that. I mean, here we go. Somebody may be affected by the war on drugs. 
right? And and maybe not have that experience, or maybe had experience or whatever else. Is there does that make any difference whatsoever that a person could be like, you know, a social equity candidate and, and that's why they got their license in terms of the overall way that you evaluate it or anything like that? Absolutely. And I think, you know, I say that from the standpoint that in certain markets, you know, and the programs that have been developed in certain states, you have to be social equity in order to win a license. You know, um, mm. I'll say that, you know, as an example, you know, in New York, right, you have to be uh, convicted of a cannabis related crime in order to, you know, win your license. And so, um, so for those types of people, right, it gives them an advantage, um, uh, that they can, they can take advantage of, right. To, to, to win licenses and stand up their businesses. Um, you know, I, I believe the social equity component in the cannabis industry and other industries is very important and there needs to be much more, you know, attention and dedication towards formulating good practices around social equity programs, yeah. uh, in, in, whether it's states or other municipalities throughout the U.S., um, I do think that the industry, the way in which regulations and rules are written, um, has provided challenges for social equity applicants to stand up their businesses. Right? Again, it uh -huh. goes back to the comment about lack of banking services or capital markets access uh, to 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 finances or or or, or capital. Right? And so. Um, so where do they turn, right? They turn to investment yeah. bankers like us. They turn to, um, you know, other credit unions. They turn to resources that are capable of actually providing the financing or other assets or resources to stand up the, these operations. So, you know, I'd say um, it's a very important part of our industry. Uh, we don't necessarily, we don't at all uh, look at, social equity applicants any different than a regular applicant other than the fact that they may have per the rules and regulations in a certain market have an advantage to win a license or to stand up their operation etc cetera, etc cetera, right so um you know in addition to that and lastly i think there's great programs out there such as the last prisoner project that is making great initiatives to you know um uh, it, it, essentially, you know, create some reform around cannabis convictions uh -huh. and sort of the, um, you know, the overall environment of, of how cannabis is, is, is looked at in the U.S. and abroad. Um, and so, you know, we, we appreciate nonprofit, you know, nonprofit organizations and charitable organizations, you know, such as them that are making strides to, you know, uh, create reform and, and ultimately, um, you know, help uh, nonviolent uh, criminals, if you will, uh, convicted of cannabis related crimes, you know, live out their lives as they should. Right. So, um, so that is important. No, definitely. And you see, you know, some states doing it well, some states not doing so well. And like you said, it's kind of becomes a catch 22, right. Where here, you know, you have somebody who's, uh, who's a social equity candidate and a victim of the war on drugs. Um, at the same time, you know, as you know, it takes a lot of capital to get this stuff going. Right. So it's like, how do we go about this? So, you know, and unfortunately, right, you know, there's upstanding uh, companies such as Lineage doing great stuff, but then there's also kind of like we mentioned shady people in here and loan sharks and people who take advantage of that situation as well. So, you know, I think they're, uh, uh, we still have a long way to go, 
but um, but definitely, you know, it's uh, a good thing to be a part of and, and happy to to see, um, you know, progress in that regard. Now, you know, also in terms of, you know, talking about how lineage is here, uh, global, right? And, and as you know, cannabis regulations um, changing all the time, as we always say, it's not the cannabis industry, it's the compliance industry, right? So, I mean, how do you deal with that in terms of uh, capital and, you know, in terms of market specific regulations and how do you deal with that as a company and how might, you know, somebody who's looking for funding deal with that? Well, it's our job to understand the industry in and out, right? And to understand all the rules and regulations um, that are associated with cannabis businesses and, and the cannabis industry as a whole. I will say, you know, it's nice to have a, a network of resources that you can tap into that are knowledgeable, you know, attorneys and other service providers that um, you can partner with uh, to, to create an e ecosystem where you have, uh, an advantage of being at the forefront of the cannabis industry. Um, you know, I'd say in, in at least my time being involved in cannabis, you know, we've dealt with a number of companies internationally. Um, you know, again, most of our work is within the, the U.S. here. Um, and how do, how do we navigate that? You know, it's, it's doing the research. It's having, having a network of resources of uh, either tools or people that you can tap into uh, to get a clear understanding and picture of what a market you know, sort of looks like or will be look like, right? Um, you know, I'll, I'll give an example. You know, the Florida market um, is an interesting one. It's, it's, there's a number of, you know, licenses already um, within the market. There is a number of operational uh, businesses that have been up and running for a while. Um, and there's, re, you know, word on the street, they're going to be, um, you know, uh, issuing uh, additional licenses. And in Florida, if you know or may not know, you have to be vertical in that state. It's a very capital intensive state. So uh, so understanding those rules and regulations and sort of the compliance around that um, is vital to any cannabis business that operates in this space. Um, not only that, but I'm gonna to touch on, you know, sort of the international component as well, because um, even if you think about cannabis companies on an international level, uh, they still have to, you know, abide by um, other countries' rules and regulations, especially if they're exporting or importing cannabis at this point. Um, that also goes for funds, right? VC funds and private equity funds, hedge funds that are involved in cannabis internationally, they have to abide by the same rules and regulations in their jurisdiction as they would um, wherever they, they may operate or, or invest in. So um, I would say, you know, folks need to be careful and cautious when it comes to um, transacting or doing business in cannabis um, mm -hmm. because there's fine lines across the board, but having a good team and a good resource pool, uh, again, by the tools of people that you can tap into um, is crucial to, to having a successful business in cannabis. And along those lines as well, you know, how does, uh, how does this differ in terms of, you know, cannabis on the THC side and maybe hemp companies, right? And people who are on the place where they're dealing with uh, federally legal hemp, um, you know, but still in that kind of, once again, that, that gray area with banking and capital is, do you guys deal with that as well? And anything there with that as well? Or they kind of follow similar guidelines? We do. And, and I would say, you know, it's sort of a, I would say CBD and hemp, uh, Personally, I, I, I separate into a separate bucket than THC cannabis, right? Uh, there's different, different applications, uses for CBD and hemp uh, as opposed to, you know, traditional THC or, or, or cannabis, right? 
And I say that because um, the CBD landscape in the US is, is still a gray area. It's, it's still a, um, you know, a market that's undeveloped, uh, much in reason because of the FDA and their lack of guidance uh, for CBD companies to, to operate legally in, in, in the US and what they can and cannot do in terms of marketing and formulations and so on and so forth. Uh, same thing goes with hemp. I'd say hemp is more, um, you know, uh, you have to pay attention to hemp more on an international basis. I'd say, um, you know, hemp applications uh, include, you know, industrial hemp, um, sort of, you know, building materials, it could be clothes, right? It's much more pricey to export and import hemp um, internationally. However, can't, you know, cannabis companies are doing a very good job of you know, decrease, decreasing carbs and sort of the cost of, uh, you know, goods sold over the, um, over, uh, you know, uh, distributing these products. So I think, um, you know, overall the hemp and CBD markets are, I would say undeveloped. Um, there's still a lack of guidance from federal agencies and regulatory bodies as to how we can operate legally in certain markets across the globe. Um, and I think, you know, Due to states having, you know, an oversight on rules and regulations, uh, as well as cities, right? In the U.S., on the cannabis front, the THC cannabis front, you know, it gives operators a sense of comfortability on the cannabis side uh, to operate legally, right? Even though it's very challenging and complex to, to operate in this, in this market, um, you know, cannabis operators tend to tend to, you know, have a little bit more of a uh, you know, successful, uh, better turnout than, you know, I'd say CBD or, um, or hemp operators at this point. Now that could change in the future, I, and I think it will, um, but that's gonna be based on new regulations and uh, the people behind those uh, regulations, um, you know, allowing for, uh, for uh, legal use and legal, uh, manufacturing these products, so. Wow. I mean, that, that's an amazing answer. You know, that's something I've never really heard before right there in terms of, you know, I think we look at it as, you know, hemp is like easier, right? You know, because, hey, you know, it's, it's federally legal. You don't need licensing. You can just go in or, you know, you do, you do and there's different, obviously, regulations, not just like, you know, the Wild West, which can be sometimes as well. But point being is that, you know, well, here, you know, you get into THC side and there's so much compliance, there's so many regulations, there's so much legislation, there's so many, you know, you can send in a $10,000 application and you forgot to, you know, literally dot your I and they send it back to you, you know, and there goes your 10,000 bucks, you know, and it's just like this crazy thing that goes on. You think, okay, well, hemp, you know, that's the answer, you know, but like you, I love that you said that because something I never thought about is like, at least in hemp, you know, in hemp, we're waiting for the FDA to give us some sort of answer, right? We're waiting for them to do something. And we're just like, okay, someday, any day now, you know, it's been years and years and nothing, you know, so, um, but on the other hand, right, at least in, on the THC side, there's clarity, right? Like there's clarity, there's, there's, there, there's no vagueness on how it's going to work out. Okay, we know what it is. We know they don't like us and whatever it is, but at least we know how to maneuver through you know, the regulations as opposed to hemp, where it's just like stuff is just changing and, and, you know, and anybody can get into it too, right? So you mentioned, you know, that that it's, you see a lot more success stories on the THC side than the hemp side, because, you know, anybody can just be a hemp company and anybody can white label, you know, anything, and you don't see that 
on the THC side, obviously, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, that's great. You know, in terms of, you know, you've, you've obviously you mentioned, I believe, uh, capital of upwards of $300 million, you know, in the companies. And, and um, so you have, you've seen a lot of different companies uh, along the last three and a half years. And I'm sure there's a lot of different things in terms of stuff internally and stuff that you can maybe can't foresee or not general terms, but, you know, do you see kind of similarities between the ones that have been successful and specifically as well in terms of what have you seen that the ones who've been successful, that they've done better in terms of like their marketing, branding or anything like that, you know, um, that you've, that you've seen as opposed to the ones that just like what happened over here, everything was looking so good. We've seen a lot of successful companies come out of the woodwork over the last, you know, call it decade. Right. I mean, even, even yeah. in the medical, days um, or early, you know, legacy days that are converting into medical or recreational uh, businesses, you know, we've seen a lot of successful cannabis companies, um, you know, and then the question is, well, how, how do you define success? Um, you know, we've also seen, you know, companies out here that have um, unfortunately failed. Um, and much of that is, is revolved around, you know, lack of access to, to cap traditional capital markets. Um, I'd say, you know, when it comes to uh, you know, larger successful cannabis companies, you know, if you look at the management teams, I'm going to go back to the people, right. Who are managing these businesses. These are, these are business people and business women, um, businessmen and business women that are successful in their fields. Previously, they have a lot of, you know, experience, uh, inside or outside of cannabis successfully scaling and operating, you know, businesses, um, in, in, in adjacent industries. Um, you know, I'd say uh, similarities amongst these, you know, sort of, and I put it in the buckets, you know, um, I'm going to start with plant touching versus non-plant touching operators, right? And who do you have within those two buckets? You have on the plant touching side, you know, your larger multi-billion dollar multi-state and single-state enterprises uh, that have been successful and they've proven themselves to be successful to a certain degree. And I'll, I'll touch on that in a minute. Then you have on the non-plant touching side, you know, ancillary services and real estate services and other service providers and, and channel partners that yeah. sort of are the backbone of the industry, right? And mm -hmm. so, you know, for, for industry participants, you know, it, 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 and I appreciate everybody's, you know, sort of angle into the cannabis space because every aspect of the supply chain is needed. Right, whether you're a manufacturer, distributor, retailer, cultivator, um, you know, technology partner, uh, you know, et cetera, right? You're, you're you're driving the industry in some way, shape, or form, and so the commonality between I would say uh, a lot of these larger multi-billion-dollar you know enterprises today, um, you know, they were able to not only raise capital, significant amounts of capital uh, early on. But they were also early adopters and sort of market drivers in their in their markets early on as well, um, you know. And so, if you look in markets like California, California is a very competitive landscape. It's very fragmented, um, and it's very complex to to operate um, in California for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, there's a number of brands and operators in California that have established uh, significant retail footprints, uh, cultivation footprints number of branded products that are now out in the markets that they're supplying to their own retail stores as other, as well as other partner retail stores, um, where they're creating some significant value and revenue for themselves to then, you know, reinvest into the company to expand into other markets. 
So, you know, we've seen that amongst some of the, you know, larger multi-state operators. Um, you know, more recently, I think the sediment has sort of revolved around East Coast markets, um, again, in limited license states uh, or, or medical markets turning recreational. And just to, you know, name a few, I think, you know, Maryland is, is definitely, a, you know, top of radar. Um, there, you know, we're expecting a, a ballot measure this November for, um, you know, a recreational program in the state. Um, same thing with, you know, New Jersey. New Jersey just went wreck. They just, uh, you know, issued a number of conditional licenses between, um, you know, right of asset classes. Um, uh, you know, New York is very interesting to a certain extent. And I think, uh, that, you know, there's another variety of markets even in the, in the Midwest and, and West Coast that I think, you know, operators have taken advantage of in, in establishing the footprint and uh, creating some sort of, you know, upside advantage for, um, for themselves to uh, create, you know, additional branded products and to roll in other established enterprises within their markets that are accretive to the overall business, right? Um, and we've seen a number of transactions across um, non-limited license and limited license states uh, over the last couple of years. So, you know, I think, I think uh, the commonality is people. I think the commonality is um, a drive on the M&A side to roll in businesses that are accretive to your bottom line and or top line uh, within the company. And I think um, having a strong brand, brand presence within your market uh, allows you to create early adoption amongst uh, you know, your, your demographic or consumer base, which then you can bring into other markets. Um, you know, Maynard, things tend to, tend to flow from west to east. You, know, you think of entertainment and music and- um, That's right, you hear that everybody? Know, <laughs> That's right. And, and so when, when you're when you have an, an established present in a West Coast market, such as California, mm -hmm. and become successful in this market, you're probably going to be successful in, in other markets as you float east. So that's not all the, always the case. But, um, you know, there's a number of things, obviously, to assess when entering new markets. But, you know, you can you can you can take a number of brands out here that are doing very well that have already established themselves on the East, east Coast. Um, that have just uh, just the same presence as they do in the West. Amazing, no, definitely. And you know, you mentioned there, obviously. And I gotta, you hear that, everybody from the West to the East it starts in LA, baby. But you know, in any case, uh, no, and you know, things right. flow, and there's a lot of things that go on here for for the future, and how you know uh, how things are gonna shape up. I guess what can we expect from Lineage here in the future? What do you guys have? Anything exciting um, you'd like to share with us today? We have a lot in store. You know, we're, we're um, I would say we're one of the most trusted sources in cannabis. I would say we've, we do, you know, great work with both publicly traded and privately held cannabis companies here. Um, we understand the marketplace and we understand uh, the nuances of cannabis and the complexities revolving around, you know, standing up and operating businesses in cannabis. And so people, I think, turn to us as a, as a trusted resource that they can use as uh, you know, sort of a sounding board or to, uh, to engage to raise capital or to sell an enterprise or to sell an asset or acquire an enterprise or acquire an asset, right? Um, you know, we work on both the buy side and sell side ends. Um, we also deal in licensure. So we actually um, you know, work to apply for new licenses, both ourselves and with other groups, um, as well as acquiring or disposing of licenses. So, you know, there's a lot of opportunity in cannabis. There's no shortage of that. I can say that. I'd say the overall capital markets landscape has tightened. Um, but we expect, you know, over the next 
call it 12 to 36 months, you know, some, some sort of, you know, um, relief, if you will, amongst mm -hmm. the overall macro, macro environment, and then as well as these cannabis companies that are experiencing major wholesale price compression. Um, in, in I hope certain, so. You know, so, uh, so we're excited. Great. No, yeah, I definitely hope so. Definitely hope to see that. It's definitely been tough, not just for, you know, as you said, on, on a macro level, but definitely in, in the micro level here in the industry and, you know, pertaining to both the THC and the hemp side. Um, but as you said, there's never, uh, uh, you know, shortage of opportunities. I think people think, oh, you know, it's, it's done or whatever. You, you hear these things and it's, uh, I don't think uh, cannabis will ever be done, right? You know, there's people, uh, you know, as you noticed during the pandemic, right? sales went up, you know, so this is stuff that, uh, that's always going to be around and we're just getting started, you know, so, uh, um, you know, we get a lot of flack and we're still, it's, it's still a young industry in its current form, you know, in this, in this new legal landscape and more will be revealed for sure. So you mentioned here before I let you go, uh, you mentioned, you know, it measures to wonder, it depends on how you measure success or what you define success. It's funny you say that because that's actually my favorite question that I ask everybody, right? So tell me, Steve, how you define success, right? What is success like for you, whether it be personally, professionally, spiritually, or otherwise? That's a great question, you know, and I would say success to me and to us is helping those, getting some, getting a group or an individual from point A to point B successfully, right? Whether it's myself or somebody else that we can help out in the environment, I think, um, you know, we, we, we do a great job of doing that. You know, any mandate that we take on uh, here at Lineage, and I'd say any, any, anything individually as well, um, we want to make sure that we execute upon, that we can become successful at that, right? And, and, and again, success is, is getting to that end goal uh, in, a, in a moral, ethical way, um, you know? And um, I don't think there's any metric, right, that you can, that you can measure success upon right everybody has their own sort of view as to what success looks like i think for us if we can help these cannabis companies become sustainable and help stand up their operations and become long-term prospects and, and drivers in the industry we've done our job very very well um and we want to continue that right now and in the future um so Success, I can't define as, you know, a, a number, right, or a sales metric, because, you know, that could be infinite, right? Why not, why not be a $40 billion enterprise, right, instead yeah. of a $40 billion? So I think, um, I think that at the end of the day, if we can help these cannabis companies become sustainable operators in cannabis and help them navigate the complexity within the industry, and we can do that, quote unquote, successfully. I think we we're we're going to be there. We're we're going to be successful. So, um, and we have been. So, um, but that's a great question. I'd love to hear your thoughts. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, uh, I just talked about it in my uh, episode one fifteen, which featured me as the guest. Um, but you know, I'll repeat it again. You know, for me, success is progress. You know, as long as I'm progressing, as long as we're progressing, and we're we're getting better every day. You've seen that year over year, you know, it's, uh, I think that that's, that's success, you know, over time, here we are, you know, how much time do we have on this earth, you know? So uh, came here to, uh, to do stuff, you know, and 
in that regard, if we're seeing ourselves getting better and better, I think to me that's success. So cool, man, you know, uh, really appreciate you coming on before we close, you know, let our listeners know, um, you know, how they can connect with you. How can they find out more about lineage, um, you know, and seek out funding and, and everything else, you know, everybody's looking for this, obviously. Sure thing. Yeah. You, please check out our website, www.lineagemergentpartners.com. You can also check out our LinkedIn, um, Lineage Merchant Partners on LinkedIn. Uh, we'll have our website on there. There's also a, a contact form on our website that you can that you can fill out if you'd like to get in contact with us. Um, for anybody, you know, listening to this podcast, you know, feel free to reach out to me over LinkedIn. Um, you know, that's a great source for communication and sort of driving conversation. Um, and then also events, you know, we're at a lot of these cannabis events uh, annually. So to the extent, you know, we'll, the next event we'll be at is MJ Impact at Las Vegas next week. We'll also be out in Las Vegas for MJ Biz uh, in November. So to the extent any of your listeners are out there, we'd love to meet face-to-face. Love it. Yeah, no, Steve's accessible here. Hit him up on LinkedIn. Uh, check it out. And all those links that he mentioned here will be in the show notes, wherever you're listening to it. You know, uh, uh, you can check that out. Make sure to click through and uh, and hit up Steve and his team. So great, Steve. I appreciate you. And that note, you know, thank you everybody, wherever you're listening, for taking the time with me um, and with us. And Steve, I appreciate you so much. Learned a lot today. I know everybody else out there did too. So uh, thank you so much for your time and good luck to you the rest of the year and beyond. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot for having me on and it's great to talk with you today. Appreciate the time. Thanks for listening to Dank Discussions. We are so grateful for each and every one of you. Please make sure you subscribe and leave a review. We want to continue making dank content you want to hear. So give us some feedback about the topics you want covered. Feel free to reach out to us at grow at calican.com. That's G-R-O-W at C-A-L-A-C-A-N-N dot com. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter for our latest updates.